Welcome to Community Christian Church. My name is Ed Martin and I'm on staff here and we are so glad you joined us. If you're at our Ashley Park campus, thanks for being there. If you're joining us online, we hope one day uh, you'll come and join us in per person at one of our campuses. We've been in this series, Hope and Anxiety, for the last few weeks and today is the final week of that series. But before I start on that, I want to talk to you about something else. I'm a little short on material today and they pay me by the word, so let me tell you this. Uh, you know, we're going to start a series next week called Better Thoughts. A big part of this series has been about how our thoughts affect us and how we can actually develop habits to think differently so that we can handle the anxiety in our life. Well, starting next week, we're going to talk about how God uses us to become or uses thoughts to help us become different people and particularly some thoughts that God would like you to have in your life that would begin to actually begin to shape you. I hope you'll come back and join us for that series that starts next Sunday uh, called Better Thoughts. Now, to today. We've been doing this series, Hope and Anxiety, uh, dealing with the anxiety crisis that's uh, alive in, in our culture. And I hope it's been as helpful for you as I know it has been for me and for other people. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been learning habits of how to deal with it. Today, I wanna talk to you about the last of those habits and it's something that maybe you've experienced. In fact, I bet most of us have experienced it. I want, I want to talk to you about those times when you think you're at the end of your rope and you can't go any further, and then there's a power that comes to you by connecting with other people. What I mean by that is there are moments where you aren't that courageous, but when you're with somebody else, you can be more courageous than you actually are. There are those times when you feel less hopeful about life, but with other people, they breathe a little life into you and you can go further than you actually thought you could on your own. Dr. Henry Cloud in a book titled The Power of the Other tells about his brother uh, named Mark who uh, actually was a Navy SEAL. In fact, he actually gave his life for our country uh, serving as, as a Navy SEAL. And in this book, he talks about being at the funeral for his brother-in-law, Mark, uh, and listening to the other seals talk about Mark and, and his life. One of them uh, stood up and began to talk about Hell Week. Now, if you not know anything about Navy SEALs, uh, Hell Week is the, the final week. It's the last week of their training. And the, part, the point of it is to push you to your physical, your emotional, your mental edge, to, to push you to that point. Well, the final test is this swim, this long swim after a long, a whole bunch of other stuff. You have to swim in the ocean for a certain length of time. Uh, this seal who was standing up talking about Mark at his funeral says, we were at the end of it and Mark had already finished. Mark already knew he was going to be a seal. He had passed the test. So he climbed up on rocks that were overlooking the ocean and he sat down to watch all of his fellow uh, trainees uh, complete the test. This young seal said, at that point, I was, I was at the end of my rope. I, I knew I couldn't go any further. I had pushed myself to my physical end. In fact, I didn't know that I could take one more stroke in the water. I didn't think I'd be able to make it at all. Now, he says, at this point, he can forget, feel himself begin to float. Some of you have been at places like that where you, you just knew you couldn't do any more. You, you couldn't go any further. He said, at that point when I knew that I couldn't go any further, I felt myself began to sink and I, 
I knew I was going to have to raise my hand and call for somebody to come rescue me, at which point he would not have a shot at being a Navy SEAL. He said, at that point, as I was just about to raise my hand, I looked up at the, the rocks and, and Mark was there and Mark caught my eye and he could see how I was struggling. He stood up on the rock and he looked me directly in the eye. He pumped his fist and he yelled at me, don't give up. The, the, the seal then said, at that moment, my body jumped into another gear. I went to another place that I thought moments before I couldn't go. He was able to start swimming again, and he completed the course, and he became a SEAL. Uh, in a moment of connecting, he was able to do something that just a moment before he had been unable to do. He had a power that he didn't have before, a power he couldn't find on his own. Connecting with another person gave him the power to continue. You ever experienced something like that? Ever been at a place where you found yourself unable to go any further? You just, you couldn't take one more step. You couldn't take it any further at all. And somebody sort of lent you their strength. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe for some of you who you, you do exercise, you, you have a training partner and you know the power of training with somebody else who, who won't let you give up. The truth is, in almost every area of our life, we have limits. It's, it's a part of what makes us human. We, we aren't unlimited. We aren't little gods. We all have limits. But when we connect together, when we connect with another person, we find that we could exceed the limit that we could go on our own with their help. Well, over the course of this series, Hope and Anxiety, one of the things that we've been learning is that there's a very real struggle going on in our culture with anxiety, and many of us have been struggling with it. And over the last three weeks, we've looked at some of the context of the, anxious, the anxiety in our world, and we've been looking at new habits that we can put in our life to help us not only deal with the negative anxiety, but begin to live in hope, hope habits that we can begin to put in our life. And I'll just say, if you haven't been able to join us for this series I hope you'll go to our website, community-christian.net, and you'll go and find those messages and you'll join in with them. Or maybe on that site, you'll just uh, subscribe to our podcast where all of that will come automatically to, you, uh, to your phone. Uh, but over the last few weeks, we've been l learning these habits. And the last two, I think, particularly have just been powerful messages as Jason walked us through the habits he's personally been putting in his place, in place in his life, and the hope that he's found. And I've heard from others that you're finding it too. Well, today, I want to talk to you about the final one of these habits. I want, I want to talk to you about this. Maybe after you join in on, on, on those that you find online, if you haven't done it, maybe another thought, if this is a struggle for you, that you'd go and buy the book that we've been using as sort of a, the background for this whole series. It's a book written by Dr. J.P. Moreland and we put a link to it in the message notes you see at the bottom of the screen of where to go get those. You can just click on that and we don't get anything from the sale of those books. We just want to make it available to you. Today, I want to talk to you about the final one of these. Because see, our goal in this series has not been to just have sort of a big group therapy session where we give you all this information because, I mean, we're friends of counselors. We're not trying to replace counseling. We, we know personally the power. I know personally the power of getting into counseling and We'd love to help you get into counseling. If you don't know how to do that, we, we'd try to hook you up. 
We're not trying to replace counseling. Our goal is to help all of us find hope in the midst of this, a place where you can find hope in your anxiety. And we wanted you to know that anxiety is not something you have to be trapped in. There is a way for you to find hope even in the midst of it. But today, as I focus on this final one, I, I want to talk to you about an important point in our battle with anxiety. It, here it is. You're only going to get so far on your own. Like that Navy SEAL almost about to have to raise his hand in the ocean on his own. You're only going to get so far. But you can find hope in connection with other people. And to try to help us see that, what I want to do is I want to show you uh, one of my favorite accounts in the New Testament. It's uh, right in the Bible. It's written about some of the early followers of Jesus. And they find themselves in this incredibly difficult, anxiety-producing uh, position. And yet they found strength together. And while uh, once you hear me describe this situation, you're probably not going to be able to relate directly to that exact situation, you can learn, if you want to, from what they did. So I want to show you something, uh, and it's, it's in a book called Acts. Now, if you don't know much about the Bible, here's the way the newer part, the New Testament. First, the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And at the beginning of the New Testament, there are four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell us about the life of Jesus. Right after that is a book called Acts, and the book of Acts is about the acts of the followers of Jesus, those very first followers. And it's one of my favorite books. And it's in this book that we find the account that I want to tell you about today. Now, here's the context of it. These first followers of Jesus are still in the city where Jesus had been crucified. And this is just months. Maybe another way to get you how close it is. It's really a matter of weeks. They, they haven't gone a year yet from, from the moment when they saw Jesus, the one they had followed. They saw him crucified in this city. They see him resurrected and then they see him go to heaven. They're in this city where all of this took place. Now, if you can imagine that, that, you see someone you followed that you believe was the Son of God, you see him killed in a city, and imagine the amount of loss of hope you have. But then you see him three days later resurrected. Well, they did what you would do if you saw that. They could not stop talking about it. For weeks, for months now, they've been talking about it everywhere they go. They talk about the resurrection of Jesus. This particular story I'm going to read to you, it happens just after two of his disciples, a guy named Peter and a guy named John, they have actually participated in a miracle. A man asked them for help. They actually heal him. He begins to walk. He's never walked before. And they tell everybody, this happened through the power of the resurrected Jesus. It wasn't us. It was this man, Jesus, who you killed, who God raised from the dead. He did this. They're, they're talking about the resurrection. Well, they're doing it in the temple, in the place where the people who had put Jesus to death had power. They get arrested, they get brought before the very men who had just weeks again, just weeks again uh, earlier, they had put Jesus to death. They get brought before them and they throw them in jail. And the next day they bring them out and they threaten them. They say, look, you have got to stop talking about the resurrection. We don't care what you believe. Believe whatever you want to believe. But you must stop talking about this. If you don't, bad things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen to you. Now... I just want to remind you again, they don't have any reason to think that these elders, these priests, these people over the temple are making idle threats. They're the very men that just put their Savior to death. They, they put the one they thought was the Son of God 
to death in that city. They're standing in the room where he had stood. They know they have the power. They know they have the will. And they know they have the desire to do it. So these aren't idle threats. They're released. And you know that if you were in that position, if I were in that position, that had to be an anxious time. You've just done what you thought was right. You've gotten thrown in jail. You've been threatened probably with your life, that they'll take your life if you do it again. They have to be in this terribly anxious position. And they might think to themselves what many of us would think to ourselves, okay, we're not changing what we believe, but it'd be smarter if we just didn't talk about it, if we just shut down, if we just gave in to their threats. Now, just as an aside, that's what anxiety tends to do to us. Anxiety tends to make us want to shut down. It makes us want to pull back. It makes us want to, to give in to whatever anxiety is telling us is the threat, to just be quiet, that there's nothing we can do, that we just have to do the best we can to shut down and to be quiet about what's happening in our world. Maybe this whole idea of anxiety, it's, it's sort of a pattern you've drifted into, and it's a habit that you've developed in your life, and it just doesn't seem like there's any way out of it that you feel these overpowering emotions, and there's nothing you can do. Or maybe it's a natural disposition. We talked about that the first week, that maybe there's something even naturally in you that it just feels pointless to continue to try to go the way because anxiety tells you there is no point to it. It just silences all hope in us that we can do anything different. For some of you, I mean, you've worked through an event in your life. Something happened, and it was bad. And you tried to have hope again, but then anxiety quashes it down, or you lost a job, and then you didn't think you would get one, but you got another one, and then something happened there again, and the same pattern continues to come up, and all the anxiety in you tells you it's just going to be in you, and you, you can't seem to bring hope up in you. It just, all the anxiety pushes all the hope out of you. It just wants you to be quiet and to silence all aspects of hope in your life, and it just feels like you're stuck. And it's easy to just let that pattern continue in your life. And you're intimidated, and you don't think you can do anyway. Well, that's where these people are. That's where these two disciples are. They've been threatened by the people they saw kill Jesus. They find themselves in that place. But I want you to see how they respond. As soon as they were free, as soon as they are let out of jail, Peter and John returned to the other believers, and they told them what the leading priest and leaders had said. Now, I just want to point out, that's a really interesting first step, and it might seem a little obvious to you. They don't run to the hills, and they don't shut down. They go to their friends, and they just share it. Now, again, it might seem like an obvious step to you that they go back and they share it, but I think we underestimate how important this simple and often overlooked step is. When you're in anxiety, when you're struggling with it deeply, everything in you wants you to just shut down. And it's sort of that spiral that Jason talked to us about a few weeks ago where you begin to think nobody else is going to understand. Nobody else really sees what I see. Nobody has been through what I've been through. Nobody sees how dark it is. Nobody sees how hopeless it is. There's no need for me to tell them about it. They'll try to tell me something that I can do and there is nothing that I can do. Now, I just want to say to you, I want you to think about the situation these two men, Peter and John, are in. They, in fact, could have thought Nobody in this group is going to understand because they're the very first people that have ever th been threatened with their life 
for following doing what Jesus asked them to do. Nobody in the group they're sharing has had their life threatened. No one's been thrown in jail yet. Nobody's been at a point that they've been beaten. When they come back and share what these priests have said, somebody could say, hey, I think you're exaggerating and it probably isn't as big a deal. All the kind of things that anxiety tells us as we're in the spiral, they could have felt. They could have just shut down. But instead, they immediately go back and they share exactly what is said. And it really shouldn't be any different with us. When we battle with anxiety, especially when the circumstances are overwhelming and you feel like you've got no real reason to, to find hope, is I'm not talking about when you just have a bad day. I'm talking about when you go, look, no, look, look what's going on in my life. There's really no reason for me to have hope. We tend to overlook and we tend to minimize how important it is to turn to people you know who care for you. And that's what these disciples do. They share the threat with their closest friends. And then check this out. Here's what happens. When they, that's the friends, heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. Now, I don't even know how that happens, that all of them, because they're not praying differently. They're all praying the same thing. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in it. And again, I just, I just want you to note, I think the way I'm reading it is the way they said it. They weren't like, oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth. I think they were like, oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in it. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant saying, why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth preparing for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord, against his Messiah. In fact, they said, this, what we just talked about, we saw that happen here in this very city. For the rulers, Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor of the Gentiles, and the people of all of Israel, they all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Now that, that's a prayer. You ever had anybody pray for you like like? Like that before? I mean, they're jacked up. They are united. But it's really important that you notice what happens here. First, it says, when they heard the report. So first, they sit and listen to all the things. And this is really important for those of us who are the friends that have anxiety shared with us. First, they listen. They listen to what was said. And they didn't just like go, wow, that's tough. They threatened to kill you. Instead, when they had listened and they had heard it all through, they lifted their voice together to God, meaning they knew this is a time we need to invite God into this community to be a part of this. And that's really important. They realized that what they were dealing with, it was so big and it was so important, they invited God into the deal. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about these habits that you learn and as we're battling with anxiety, we've been talking about moving toward God in prayer. I hope you're doing that. I mean, it's really important that you go through those steps and the habits that Jason's been leading us in. Rather than deny it, rather than just give in to the fear, rather than just continuing to spiral downward, rather than just sitting in silence, they spoke up. They went directly to God in prayer. 
They first went to their friends, and then their friends together with them, they brought them together. And notice what it says. It says they lifted their voice together. Now, you can absolutely pray on your own. In fact, I hope you are praying on your own. I hope when anxiety begins to come up on you, like I said the very first week, I hope it becomes a trigger that you use to begin to say, God, help me in this. I hope you're praying it on your own. But I don't want you to miss the power that comes when you invite other people into it with you and they invite God into the situation to be with you in that situation. We can all use the voices together lifted to bring God into the situation. And did you notice that when they did it together with their friends, the first thing their friends do in the prayer is they remind each other who the God is they're talking to. They didn't begin to pray. Oh, God, we know you're out there somewhere, and we want to inform you what's going on. <laughs> that is not what they say. They say, oh, sovereign Lord. You know what that means? God who is large and in charge. God who knows everything and has seen everything. God who is over all things. God, we want to let you know what we're feeling about the situation we're in. They invite God who sees all, who knows all, who cares all. It's like they're saying, hey, God, here's what's been going on, and we know you're involved in it. You're the king of all creation. You're the God who throws planets and quasars and all kinds of universes in, into effect just as a hobby. But even though we know you see it already, we don't want to minimize what's going on. They're honest with God. They talk to God honestly about what they're suffering with, about what's happening in their life. So they start by being honest with their friends, and then their friends help them be honest with the God who already knows. But even in do that, doing that, their friends, you'll notice, they reframe the anxiety in light of the God who they're talking about. They remind them, God has been in this kind of place before. People have risen up against them. They go back to the point of Jesus that what people had done to Jesus, those people had done to Jesus, God intended eventually for the good of the world. And then in this situation, they reframe it and say, God, now we're asking you to do that same thing here. They reframe their anxiety in light of God, who has the ability to do all kinds of things. And it's with their friends that they're reminded that there can be hope even in the midst of this terrible situation. Years ago, I can remember sitting and listening to a pastor talk about the power of community and he talked about standing at the end of a particular service where he had spoken and like people will sometimes do here and at Ashley Park when the service is over, someone will come up to me or one of our pastors and they'll, they'll ask for prayer. Well, he said at the end of this particular message, he, he noticed that a, a couple came up to him and they were holding a little baby in their arms and the mom, uh, she, she said, Pastor, would you pray for our baby? Well, that's really not an unusual request. And, of course, it's normally a joy to pray with a couple over their newborn baby. And she's holding the baby, and he looks down at the baby in the arms, and he says, when, when I looked at the baby, it, it almost took my, my breath away because when I looked at the baby in the blanket and I looked at the baby's face, I, I couldn't really tell because of the way the baby's face was shaped how the baby was even able to breathe. He, he was so badly, she was so badly deformed. Well, the mom in that moment could see the the moment where the pastor was taken back and she said, her name is Emily. The doctors tell us that she might have six weeks to live. Pastor, 
We'd like you to pray that in the next six weeks, she will know that she is loved by us. He said in that moment, I tried to look like I had it all together and that everything was okay. But I didn't really know what to do. So I bowed with them in prayer and I prayed for them. I prayed for God to be with them. I prayed that they would have their request answered, that this little girl would know that she had been loved by her parents in that moment. And when the prayer was over, I said to them, is there any way that we can serve you? Is there anything that we can do for you this time? He said, in that moment, the dad spoke up and the dad looked at me and said, Pastor, no, we're okay. We joined a small group here a number of years ago and they've been with us through it all. They were with us in the weeks leading up to Emily's birth. They were with us at the hospital. When Emily was born, they've been with us ever since. They brought us a meal. They stayed with us at night. They've helped us take care of Emily. They've mowed our grass. They've taken care of everything in our home. And in fact, they've already helped us plan Emily's funeral. At that point, the pastor said, I noticed standing around behind them that I hadn't noticed before. There were three other couples standing right behind them. When I looked at them, one of the men in the couple said, Pastor, we're going to walk with them through this, the whole way through it. We will be with them. We got this. As they walked away, the pastor said, that's what I wish everyone had. That's what I wish everyone had. That's what I wish everyone had too. I mean, we all need it. We all need people who will be with us in things that we can't deal with on our own. Things that are so big that we just can't go further. And they don't have to be as big as that. Sometimes things overwhelm us that we begin to spiral downward and anxiety begins to get the best of us. We need people around us, people who care us that will point us to the greater reality of what God is at work in in their life and in our life. And by their very presence will point us to hope that's found in Him. People who just won't complain, who won't just sit and listen, and who won't complain with you. They don't deny the trouble. They don't act like the trouble doesn't exist. But they don't spiral downward with you. And not just people who are well-intentioned, who want to come help, and they minimize the difficulty, and they say, oh, you'll get through this, and it'll all be okay. We need people who will enter authentically into the anxiety with us. But at the same time, they won't just settle for us continuing to spiral down. They will hold us up like, like Martin did for his seal buddy who in the moment he said, hey, you can do this. We're together in it. And you can find strength that you did not know right in the middle of an anxious situation. There are two other things that this community with these two disciples did that I want you to notice. It says that they trusted themselves and they trusted the circumstances to God. God who sees all, God who knows all. God, you know what we've gone through. You know who these people are. You know that we are specifically choosing in this moment to trust their threats and ourselves and the circumstances are to come. We're trusting you. It's kind of like God. We hear it. We know what they said. We know that we're, they're capable. So we're trusting that what we heard, you heard. What we saw, you see. And we're trusting ourselves to you, and we're trusting the circumstances to you. 
And then they make an astounding request. They pray for boldness. They don't pray for safety. They don't pray for the threats to go away. They don't pray for the people who made the threats to be removed. They don't ask that God change the people who are making the threats. They instead say, God, would you change me in the midst of the threats? God, would you change us? Would you give us boldness? And I love the word, the word boldness there. In the original language, which is, which is Greek, the word that we have translated boldness in the English, it originally means a free and fearless confidence. Another way you could say it is, I want to have a cheerful courage. In the midst of this moment of anxiety, God, would you give me a cheerful courage? So they're being threatened. And in the middle of the threat, they say, God, what we really want from you is give us, help us be cheerfully courageous. Instead of being anxious, instead of letting us spiral downward, God, can we look to you who's sovereign over all, and could you help us be cheerfully courageous? Could you have us... Help us have confidence that we can continue to do what you've asked us to do. They're taking their anxiety. They take it to a group of friends. The friends in the moment together unite and they point them to, toward God who sees all. They reframe it in light of who God is. And in that moment, they trust everything to God and to his power. And they say, God, help us continue to do the right thing in spite of our anxiety. God, give us cheerful courage in spite of this anxiety. And their friends give them a strength they did not think they could find on their own. But the question is, isn't it, where, where do you find people like that? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, in some ways, as you've already heard, we've already answered that question in this series. I, what I know for sure is it my answer to you on where do you find people like that, it depends a little bit on where you are. I know for some of you, you're in a place you're just trying to figure that, this whole thing out, and some of you are really struggling with anxiety, and just being here is a struggle for you. But we've already talked in this, this service. You've heard announcements about this week we're starting what we call small groups around here, and small groups are where you find people like this. That's why... We say to people around here all the time, what I know for sure is how I answer this question to you, one thing I know for sure, you do not find people like this in rows facing the front listening to me or Jason or Nathan or anyone else. That's why we say to you eventually, circles are, are better than rows. Places where you're not facing the front looking away from each other, but where, you, where you're looking toward each other. As you already heard, this week small groups are starting. And so if you're here and... In the previous semester, you were in a small group, and that small group worked for you. Hey, this week is a week to get started back, and I hope your small group leaders already reached out to you, told you when you're starting. If not, you need to go find them today and get them jacked up because you're ready to go. If you're not in a small group, then we have first steps. We, we'd love you to get in first steps, and we will help you take steps to, to find people that maybe can be your people, that in the midst of anxiety, you can find hope with them. Or maybe... You can't take that step. Uh, I've given you email addresses for your campus pastors in the notes there. Or if you just want to reach out to me, my email address is, is there as well. And we'll, we'll try to help you begin to find a place where you can connect and find a group of people. But I have one other thing for you today. Today, I want to try to encourage you to take just one small step out of the spiral of anxiety into hope. Every week around here, we take communion, 
as a way to remember what Jesus has done for us and the power that he gives us in our lives. But today, I want us to do that in community. I want us to do it together. For followers of Christ, this is an important time where we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and that he brought us not only to be right with God, but into community with other followers where we could find hope. So, if you would right now at Ashley Park, if you would look around in your cup holder, you're going to find a thing like this. It looks like a little coffee creamer. I don't want you to do anything with it, but I just want you to get it and put it in your hand. Once you have that, look in the cup holder. Everybody get one. Now, I want you to look down your row to your left and your right, and I want you to spot four to six people that you could form a little group with right now. You don't have to worry about how much you're going to say. We're not going to say much in these groups. So if you're really anxious, I'm going to make this as easy as possible for you. I want you to stand up right now with your little creamer, and I want you to form up in groups of four to six. And if, if you're a couple, don't make the couple just the group. If you came as a couple, would you form up at least with another couple? Okay? Right now, move into your groups. Okay? Okay, everybody in your groups, you don't have to say anything. Okay? Everybody... Uh, listen to me one more time. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. Thank you for those of you who are really anxious about this, that you took this step. I want to make this next part as easy for you as possible. Here's what I want to ask you to do. In this group, I'm going to ask you just to go around the group, and I only want you to say one thing. Tell everybody in the group your name. Just say your name. You don't have to say anything else. Just everybody say your name. So here we go. Look around the group, somebody start, and give your name to the other people in the group. Okay, I think that's probably enough time for everybody to get their name, so listen to me again. Here's, here's your next thing. And this part's optional. If you have a need, and I'm not going to ask you to say the need, so all I'm going to ask you to do, if you have a need that you would like somebody to pray for, just raise your hand so people in the group can see it. You just raise your hand. You don't have to say it. I'm never going to ask you to say it out loud. If you'd like some prayer, would you just raise your hand right now? Okay. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to pray. No one is going to pray out loud. Okay, everyone's praying silently, so you don't have to be anxious about praying out loud. I want you to look to the person that's on your left, and I want everyone to pray for the person to their left, and here's what I want to ask you to pray. In just a moment, I'm going to give you a moment to bow your heads, and here's what I want to ask you to pray. I want you, if you can, to call their name. Say it to God. and Say, God, would you be with this person with whatever they're facing in life? Would you bless them? God, would you give them a cheerful confidence that you're with them or something along those lines? And then as you're closing your prayer, would you thank God for being with you in this moment and for giving Jesus to us? So, okay, everybody, the person on your left, let's bow your heads and pray for the person on your left.
All of these prayers, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, one final thing. We're going to take communion in your group. That's why you brought your little creamer with you. Now, let me show you how this works. And some of you may need help from somebody else in the group. There are actually two tabs here. There's one on top. It's very thin, and you need to take it first. Do not grab both of them, or you're about to make a mess in the group. Carefully grab the top part, peel it off, and you'll have the piece of bread. I want you to take this and remember that this is Jesus' body that was given for you. Now, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and this is all a little much for you, honestly, nobody in the group is going to feel odd if you don't want to take this. This is not a place you have to fake it or you have to act like you believe something you don't believe. You can just take this and you can just hold it. And in a moment, there, we're all going to pray one more time. And you can just close your eyes in this moment and thank God for what he's done to bring you to this point, for the courage he took for you to go into this circle. I'm, I'm so proud that you did that. But for the rest of you who want to, take this, hold it in your hand, and then go ahead and take that bread. It's the body of Jesus given for you. And then, in a moment, I want you to peel this up, and underneath you'll find the juice. Now, before you do that, here's what I want to ask you to do. In a moment, when I'm finished, I'm going to tell you to go ahead and partake. And once you've partaken, I don't want you to begin to talk in the group. What I want to ask you to do is, again, bow your head. Thank God for Jesus, for him being with us in this anxious world that wants to have threats that we don't think we can trust, that we don't have the power to go on. And thank God that he will bring people into our lives. If you don't have people like that, would you ask him to show you who those people are? Then once more, pray for the people in your group. In just a moment, our time of prayer will be over. Our band is going to lead us in one final song that encourages us to not live in fear, but to live in our trust in God. So, right now, will you partake and will you pray?